<laughs> oh man, today's going to be good. Can you feel it? You know, God wants you to have such a high quality of life, and part of that quality of life has to do with connection. And connecting with God and with people, God wants you as his son or his daughter to have this high quality of life. I don't mean quantity of life. I don't mean collecting a bunch of stuff. Anybody use the COVID time to clean out their basement? I don't mean quantity of life. I mean quality of life. I mean, God wants you to enjoy your life. And God, it doesn't mean you're not going to have battles, but God wants you to be able to enjoy them. Oh, is this the first time you've heard this? God wants you to be able to have joy in the battle. You know how it ends. Relax. Let me explain some of the, the conflict and tension that you've had in your life this week leading up to this sermon. Because it'll explain your last week and it'll prepare you for next week. Is that um, God was trying to prune you. That's it. That's it. He was trying to prune you because he can't get you the quality of life in the kingdom of God until he prunes you so that you bear fruit. Um, my sermon today is called The Enemy of Fruit. And the enemy of fruit in your life is not the devil. Just give me a minute. It's not the devil. I've been rebuking the devil all week, Pastor. It's not the devil. He can't beat you. Just give me a minute. Next uh, week, we're starting a series and uh, Valentine's Day, we're going to have a Valentine's Day party at the church here. So if you're not allowed to go out anywhere, although I think restaurants are opening, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> my, no, my wife can cook. I'm, I'm glad. You know, this lockdown has been okay for me because my wife can cook. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because if it was me, we'd be on macaroni hangovers every day. Um, we're going to have a Valentine's Day party here, but it's going to be part of our series called Coexist. Did you know that we're going to be preaching? I'm going to be preaching, not we, like you're not going to be preaching. <laughs> I'm going to be preaching about relationships and love. You know what is happening right now is that society in its broken, not working state is trying to redefine what love is. That's a problem because they don't even know. Jesus knows what love is. And we're going to be talking about relationships. And it's just going to be such a building time, I think, for you. If you're in a family or friends, God is going to do something powerful. I'm going to teach you what to do with emotional vampires. If you're not clapping, it's you. Uh, teach your spouse what to do with you. What happens when victim mentalities seep into relationships? Jesus said, you are more than a conqueror because I loved you. Oh, there's so much. I'm going to just, just come back next week. We'll get it. John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Somebody just said, I've been trying to be the gardener. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Yikes. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. There's only two plans for your life. One is that you get cut off because your life is dead and you get thrown in the fire. Another place says, that's not fun. The other option is a great, really a great option is that God will prune you. Did you know that either way, you're going to get cut, everybody? Is it going to be one of those kind of sermons, Pastor? It is. All right. Then he said, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you, which means like, hey, this is going to be one of those sermons that's going to purify you. Why? Because God wants high quality of life for you. And he's got to prune you to get you there. 
verse 7, but if you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you, this is really what he wants, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Come on, venue. Anything you want? Yeah, you, he, if he prunes you and gets you there, you will be able to ask for anything you want because you'll be asking for what he wants. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. But the opposite of that might be true too. If you're not bearing fruit, maybe you are fake disciples. Don't say that to your teenager this week. Fake disciple. That's all I'm gonna say. We have to bring glory to God. He's looking for fruit in your life. He's looking for fruit in my life. Thanks, Sean. You ready? The sermon is entitled, The Enemy of Fruit. The enemy of fruit is having the appearance of fruit. Wow. It's not the devil. The enemy of fruit in your life is your human tendency and mind to go for the appearance of fruit rather than fruit itself. So what do you mean? Isn't it the same thing? It is absolutely not the same thing. Um, the stepladder to success in the world, this series has been largely about finances, but this one's going to kind of segue us into the next sermon series. But uh, success in the world is like, think of it like a stepladder, like, but like a, think of it like a step stool, you know, like with like two rungs on it. Success in the world's eyes, you can get there, um, but success in, in God's eyes, in actual fruitfulness, it's like a ladder that has many rungs on it and you have to go through each one at a time in their order. Does that make sense? You just try to step to the top one, it doesn't work. <laughs> that was my life in my 20s right there. You just try to go to the top one. No, but see what the devil will try to do, he'll try, he'll try to parade a step stool to success because, um, because you and I, we favor the appearance of fruit more than we favor actual fruit. So the step ladder of success looks like, I mean, just in regards to finances, I guess would look like just buy something you can't afford. So your neighbors think that you, you do that. You can buy a truck that you can't afford. They'll, they'll lend you the money. Kaplet won't. He'll be like, how's Dave Ramsey doing? <laughs> think of me like Dave Ramsey. I'm going to, I remember talking to somebody at Benu. He's like, can you afford this? We're going to talk Dave Ramsey because thank you. It's this shortcut thing. Canadian society favors growth even over fruit. There's a difference between growth and fruit, but God does not. Um, all you have to do to appear more successful is to, you know, rent a limo for your nine-year-old's birthday party. I don't know what you're going to do when they're 10. That's always where I got too many kids, man. Like, you got to do what's fair for the next one. You got to do what's fair. And then, you know, the one there's like, I just want ice cream. I'm like, that's four ice creams. And then my wife's going to want one. Then. You know, and then like, well, what happens next year? Then you get like, double scoop of ice cream finances. If you don't have that many kids, you don't know. Um, my dad said in the, in the prayer team call, if you're not on a dream team, you need to get on a dream team and serve in the house of God. Um, that's where the magic really is. So anyways, um, but also you can be on a team, but you might not be on a team call. So get on more than one team if you want to. And so we have these weekly checkup calls where I jump in on and, but pastor Richard, my, my dad is a retired pastor, but you know, retiring from pastoring is kind of like being in the mafia. We just pull you back in <laughs> and don't pay you. Uh, <laughs> but he said, he said something, said something interesting. He said, vines always favor growth and will sacrifice fruit for it. There's something about your life. You will always favor growth and favor the appearance of fruit more than fruit because fruit takes a lot more work to actually bear fruit takes a lot more work than to appear fruitful. 
Um, there are times in your life that God will prune you, but it's not the way that, that you would choose it. But see, God wants to be the gardener. You know, we had a, a funny, it wasn't funny at the time. It's funny now. Anybody had a week last week that's going to be funny next week? Um, when we first, how many people know we were in the performing arts theater? We have a lot of new people here, but who's on that initial team when we started doing set up and take down the performing arts theater? Now that building was beautiful. We loved it there and God really blessed us there. Um, and, and most of the people we worked with there were great, but we were also dealing with, you know, a, kind of a city mentality. How much should I say? I'm just, there's so much I want to say. Um, let's just say that I heard the word no. I don't like hearing no. When I ask Ailis to do something, the, the answer is yes. I, I like hearing yes. I don't like hearing no. I heard the word no there are more times than I've heard in my entire life. Hey, can we do this? No. Hey, can we do that? No. Hey, and, and what you are doing? No, you can't do that anymore either. And even though there's not really a reason for it, but we just feel like it. And um, no, no, we came here and we talked to the owners. Pray for the owners of this place. Pray for safety and protection for them. Because I heard yes in five minutes more than I heard in three years you know, at the performing arts theater, the building was great. And a lot of people we worked with there were, were great, but, um, there, there were some tense moments that we had. Anybody want to hear about a tense moment? Now, listen, nobody chooses pruning for themselves and the world tells you like, Hey, self-help, like you decide how to prune yourself. And God's like, I want to decide how to prune you because you're never going to prune your life the way that I'm supposed to. I want to get you quality of life. You won't get quality. You'll get quantity. You don't get quality until you allow me. So some of the pruning that happened in our church at the time was our teams having to learn how to work with these. Okay, so this is what would happen. We'd have the coffee station here in the back hallway, you know, like for months. And then somebody would come in and be like, oh my goodness, you guys are going to kill people because that's blocking a fire exit, even though that's the exit that all the stuff was coming in at and it wasn't blocking. Move this. Oh my goodness, you guys. And then the next week, the next person would come back and be like, why didn't you put it here? Like, well, you just told us to... And then you told us to put it back. And one time, I mean, here's an interesting situation. How many people know that when the when people are getting baptized and going public with their faith, that the devil doesn't like it? And so, so we we had to set up in a lobby service, even though the auditorium was empty, and we couldn't figure out why we weren't allowed to be in there. <laughs> Anyways, it's confusing because <laughs> you think if it was empty that we could, but maybe. Anyways, um, so we were in a lobby service and we had quite a few people. There was a baptism service and, and one of the staff, you know, wasn't quite honest about a story about one of our staff. Cause you know, we put pipe and drape up cause we had to put a nursery in the lobby space now, which is not ideal. So we had to put a nursery in there. And so we put the pipe and drape up where somebody told us to put it up last time. And, and, uh, and then this staff said, well, they covered a, a fire exit and we're like, it's a curtain. And, uh, and so anyways, whoever was in charge then, cause the management started change came and freaked out. Now imagine this. We just, we just finished the baptism service. I'm in the green room changing to get ready to baptize people. They're moving from the lobby, uh, into the loading dock and the service ends. And, and this person starts like crazy, like dressing down, uh, uh, Crystal Canfield and, and, um, Aaron Edwards there, like and, and Emerson Warenka comes into my green room and he's like, Pastor Corey, there's a crazy person out there yelling at people. And I'm like, now, how many people know there's two people? There's Pastor Corey and there's Industry Corey. Industry Corey came out of the room and I walk in there and, and so this is happening while, listen, I was under the mistaken assumption that we were the customers and paying for this. 
And that everybody is, because it's city run and city funded, paying taxes walking past them also paid for this. Yeah. Yeah, it's just how my mind works. Maybe I'm wrong. And so he's in there like dressing them down as if this, you know, we're trying to kill people or something. We're just doing what they told us to do last time, you know. And so anyways, and so this is happening. But by this time, you know, Edwards is like, can we just go into the office so you can continue yelling at us? Because like, we're not sure why it needs to be out here. This actually happened. I got stories of church planting, everybody. I got stories. And so I come around the corner and they're in the office and, and the back of this person is to me in the office. I can see through the glass door and Edwards, I just, I lock eyes with Edwards and he looks out this door at me and I'm here like ready to go. <laughs> Mama said, knock you out. Let's do this. I enjoy that sort of thing. I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. Nobody yells at my people. And so Edwards meets me, lock eyes, and he just goes like this. And I'm like, he can't tell me what to do. But I did. I listened to the Holy Spirit that day. I calmed myself down. I went and baptized people. I didn't lose my Holy Spirit. Some of these things happened to us. And I realized looking back, you know, this is part of the pruning process of if you have the guts to do it in a church plan. And if you have the guts to maintain your integrity and do what's right. If you have the guts to, but you don't choose those sorts of things to happen. Like every time we'd come to church, man, we were nervous. We didn't know. And the devil's trying to get to you, man. He's trying to hurt my family. And every time you show up to church, you don't know what's going to happen next, you know. And the pruning stages that God put us through in there, you know, and I look at, at, at what happened there. And, and we eventually made a move here, which now since COVID, we're like, oh, this makes sense now. You know, but, but. You know, the, the attitude there, some of them were great, but some of them others, you know, like, I don't know if they like Christians. I don't know if they would have treated anybody else like that. Let's be honest. You treat a dance mom like that? You try yelling at a dance mom in public sometime. You see if you get out of there with your arms on your body. Look, he's got arms for legs now. No, is there something, well, when you're working for God, you know, it stirs up some things in the lives of people. This is really what we were dealing with at the time. And, um, you know, the, the, that performing arts theater lost to the tune of sixty or $70,000 the next year from our rental because we came here. And um, that's the, the fruit that they lost that I think sometimes that you and, and I are trying to do all the pruning, but you got to let God prune you. But it's not fun. Like, make no mistake about it. It's not fun un until you decide that it is. Um, here, here's this concept. Vines don't prune themselves. Vines don't prune themselves. Here's what I want you to, to think about. Success, quality of life is directly related to your response to outside correction. Outside, anybody can inside correct. Because you don't really do a great job of inside. Sometimes you do a little bit. Now, 2021, guys, I think 2021, it might not be the year of harvest for you, but I think it's the, the year of pruning for the harvest. I think how you respond in 2021 uh, for God trying to prune your life back so that he can create what he wants as much fruit so that anything that you ask, he can give you. I think 2021 is the year that you position yourself for the harvest. I, I think that you can't get too worked up about hard times. I don't think you can get too worked up about fighting in your marriage. Aaron and I were, we were kind of pre-marriage counseling a couple. And you know what our advice was? Fight. 
You're gonna. Can I hear an amen, married people? <laughs> you can't run and hide forever from her. <laughs> Fight. Get it out in the open. Deal with it. Don't, don't put off dealing with your kids. Get it out in the open. Deal with it. Um, you have to embrace the seasons of pruning. If you've got a two-year-old child, God is pruning your life right now. Because that two-year-old child is not producing fruit. In fact, they probably won't until they're into their teenage years. And moms sometimes, they're like, all I do is like, no, no, discipline, discipline, discipline. You're in the discipline years. You're in the pruning years. If that child learns to embrace pruning, they will do very well. But don't look for fruit on that tree until they're a little bit older. It's, too, it's not the season for fruit yet. It's not the season for fruit. Um, some, some people... When they come into a new church, you might be new to a new church. We have an NXT lunch today with the newbies. And it's going to be awesome. There's piles of you, and that's great. Sometimes when you come into a new church, you want to take the pruning shears to it. To make it like the church you came from that you're not going to anymore. <laughs> and then you meet me sometimes. And, you know, I mean, people don't do this a lot because I'm, you know, I have like a 15-minute service turnaround. So I'm not, I, I can't, you know, meet as many people as I would like. So come to the NXT lunch, go through NXT. But, um... Sometimes people come and they want to re-preach a sermon to me sometimes. And I'm like, well, that's great, but I don't even know your name. <laughs> you know, so the pruning, you come, you want to make it like, well, God wants it. What if the church was there to prune you and not the other way around? You know, I, I, I get worried in religion because we all have this tendency to start pruning it so that it looks like us. But then it becomes a man-made religion and gets all crazy and weird. And, but see, religion, it's only from God if it prunes you and not the other way around. The, the appearance of holiness is what we all want, but holiness itself takes a bit of work. You got to put screen lockouts on your devices. You got to not watch what you have the right to watch, whatever that means. I mean, holiness takes a lot of work, but the enemy to holiness is the appearance of holiness. The enemy to fruit is the appearance of it because you can make, you can trick other people, but you can't trick God. Now I'm going to be reading the text of Jesus and the fig tree. It's a funny, um, text in the Bible. I'm super glad that Mark recorded it because I, I don't think you would have thought it was a huge deal at the time. It's sandwiched in between his experience in the temple, Jesus. He does an inspection tour and then he does a, um, just wait. What's the opposite of pat everybody on the back? Yeah. Okay. Just give me a sec. In all of the miracles that Jesus, that's recorded about Jesus' life, there's only one that's called a destructive miracle. Meaning the miracle was that he destroyed something. Now in the Old Testament, there was lots of destructive miracles. I love, as a child reading the Old Testament, I love. This enemy would come against Israel and they'd kill them all, you know. <laughs> Goliath, kill him dead and take, cut his head off. Yeah, woo! <laughs> Pharaoh, you're going to chase God's people a band of slaves and you're going to mistreat them and God's going to be like come on into the Red Sea guys <laughs> the world's worst first aquarium and worst aquarium <laughs> come on in guys take a look around this is great yeah sure you got all your equipment strapped on securely you're not flotation devices. Hey, there was loads in the Old Testament, but there's only one recorded in, in the life of Jesus. And I'm, I'm curious why it's recorded. And if you don't understand that Jesus destroys something because heaven is upset by something, you should really pay attention to this because you and I do this like every day. 
Now, what happens is Jesus comes in. It's called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So he comes in, and he's riding a donkey, and people are putting their clothes down on the... Let's reenact this. Who's got the jackets and stuff? I'm not Jesus. Fine. Okay. But they like palm trees and they're saying, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. And they're worshiping Jesus. And Jesus in the back of his mind is like, you're one sermon away from yelling crucify. Because that's what's coming from the same people. <laughs> and uh, he comes in. He has this like triumphal entry into to Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up the story. He came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left it because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Now, this is like um, industry, Corey. When I would go onto a job site sometimes, I would walk around and take a look at everything. If it wasn't my job, and be like, thinking to myself, losing money, losing money. Where's that guy? What was he doing? Losing money. I go back and take a breather. And we come back in because the whole point of being in business is making money for your boss. So let's help and do that. That's the fruit on that tree. Some of you wonder why you get new jobs all the time. You're not making money for anybody. That's how it works. I'm just telling you. I feel like that was a shocking revelation to somebody. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought they hired me so I could find myself. No, they want you to find the money. That's how that works. Kevin O'Leary. Okay. Can't distract me. He returned to Bethany. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, he was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. So you don't really understand this because you don't have fig trees. You have snow trees and stuff. This whole travel thing is really depressing me, everybody. Landlocked Alberta. I'm trying to think of nuclear ways to make us not landlock anymore, but I can't. Um, I want to go to the beach, man. I'm, I want to go to the beach. Mr. Trudeau, if you can hear me. I really need to go to the beach. Or bring me a beach or do something. Um, he noticed a, a fig tree. So, so a fig tree, the only reason that leaves appear on a fig tree is to protect the fruit that's on it. So it grows fruit and then leaves to protect the fruit. So this one lone fig, but it says it's not the season for figs. You have to appreciate that it might not be the season for fruit for you, but this one fig tree that Jesus designed to produce fruit and then produce leaves to protect the fruit, he designed it and planted it like Jesus was there in creation. He's like, that's how fig trees work. This one fig tree is like, I want to look fruitful, but not, I want to look like, I want to be the only one in this whole, like, you know, maybe there's a hundred fig trees or maybe, I don't know. And he's like, I just want to be the only one. I want to stand apart from my brothers. But it wasn't the time of season, the fruit, fruitful season for any of them. And, um, it's far too easy for us to want to look fruitful, but you know, heaven's finance is supposed to smooth the path to connect you with God and people more. And if you would have the character and allow God to prune you so that that's what he used use finances for, to connect yourself with God and people and to connect people with God and people, if, then God would give you wealth. But Canadian finance is like, I want the appearance of more, 
so that I can be lifted higher than you so that you're jealous of me every time I drive that car out of my, I want to look better than you're doing. I want you to look up to me. God's like, I want your wealth to cause people to look up to me. All right. Just firing up salvo there. Um, Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. Now, what, if this happened to you, Jesus did so many amazing things, but he did one destructive miracle. If this happened to you, you wouldn't even write this down. But afterwards, Mark, who was like a spiritual son to Peter, and Peter was there at this time and told him the story. He's like, you got to include this story. There's something you got to understand how Jesus feels about that one lone tree out there when you're out there like, hey, look at my marriage. It's amazing. Yeah, you fought all the way to church. You got nail marks in your arm. It is. We're amazing. We have the model marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when single people lecture me about marriage and what I ought to do. I'm like, your time will come. And then it'll be like, oh, Pastor Corey, why didn't I listen to you? You were right. You were so right. I'm sorry. Um, There's something wrong with a Christ follower too proud to drive a poor man's car on a poor man's budget. Something wrong. There's, we just want to look better than we're actually doing. We just, to, to look like we're not addicted if we're addicted. And just be honest. Just let it out. To look like we're parenting successfully when maybe we're not. Maybe they're not doing that well. Man, I, I don't want to be that dad that just like, hey, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. What can I pray for your kids? Nothing. They're fine. You know, I see their Instagram stuff, and I don't, unless somebody hacked them with their faces in the wrong places. This is really good today, facing wrong. <laughs> Jesus arrives back in Jerusalem. He enters the temple. Okay, this random little thing happens in the middle there, but I think that it's sandwiched between what he wants to do in, in the church. Listen, pruning precedes revival. If you won't repent, why would the world around you? I am praying that God sets Airdrie apart and it's just like, is, we're like a test tube that he just does something crazy special in. Yeah. But if, if you venue church in this test tube won't do something that's called repent and, and we won't allow God to prune us, God can't even do it to the people around us. And so he arrives back in Jerusalem, he enters the temple, the church, and began to, begin to drive out the people selling, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. I'll explain. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. Um, John says, Mark maybe didn't want to write this because he didn't want you to think poorly of Jesus, but John doesn't care. He's a disciple Jesus loved, right? <laughs> he said, Jesus made a whip out of cords and beat them out of the temple. Now, how many people would, would love that? You're having a, a holy moment in a worship time. And a crazy man shows up in the back with a whip. And takes your chair and tosses it into that speaker and whips you out. Well, <laughs> well, Jesus whipped somebody else. Come to church today, get whipped. No, no, the onus is on, was on the, the leaders of the temple at the time. What was happening? You ready? What was happening was corrupt business people were 
they would make sacrificial animals because you wouldn't travel there with sacrificial animals. They had to be the best, right? And so sometimes people come from a long ways. They just wanted to be like, hey, I just, I got a hundred bucks. I would rather pay for it than travel with it. And then maybe by the time it gets there, it's not spotless anymore. You know, so they're like, hey, we just want to sacrifice. And so they would, they would, you know, breed these spotless animals. And, and then they would uh, change money for people coming from different places. But what they were doing was these corrupt people in a worship experience were selling fake Rolexes to make themselves rich and making it difficult for people to come to the house of God and sacrifice because they would get ripped off every time they would. And the worst exchange rates in the country probably were happening right there because people needed it to worship. But ease the path of your neighbor to go to church. Buy him a lunch. Like, ease the path. And so these business people were profiting and then the, the temple leaders weren't saying anything about that. Were they getting a cut? I don't know. But the, the proceeds of the sac- that, that wasn't coming to the temple to keep God's lights on. That was going into their pockets to make them rich. So they, they could buy cars that these poor people trying to sacrifice weren't doing. And God comes to the house, his own house, and he's like, whoa. And what was even worse was they set up this nasty marketplace in the outer courts which was the only place that a Gentile who wasn't born a Jew was allowed to come. It's the only place they were allowed to go. And there's people selling stuff right beside them. Like it was just, it was an unholy place. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. It was supposed to be a place where you could come and repent of your sins. But if I come in there, I'm going to commit sin, you know? Um, There's so much I can say about that. My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you turned it into a den of thieves. But then, okay, then they go back to, to, they left the city. And the next morning as they passed by the fig tree, you ready to hear what happened to the fig tree? He had cursed. It says the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus said to the tree on previous day and exclaimed, look, rabbi or teacher, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Can I, can I say this? Your life is like a fig tree. If you're in a time of pruning, embrace it. I've been through so many times of pruning in my life. There are times of fruit, but you know what? It's like time of fruit, boom, right back to time of, of pruning. Um, Amy Fair, are you in this service? I don't, yeah, there she is. Um, she's an arborist, which I know what it is now. And she educated me about pruning and how it works. Because if you don't know, you, you will misread what God is trying to do in your life. And you'll, you'll think that when he's hurting you, you'll misread what is happening. Because you can only get cut. You're going to get cut and, and have stuff thrown into the fire. Or you're going to get cut so that you can grow. So there's pain is escapable, uh, inescapable. But here's what I don't want God to prune. The good things out of my life. The, the things that I think are good growth. You know what I want him to prune? The pain. And the stupid conversations I got to have. I want him to take all the irritating things and prune them out of my life. Lord Jesus. I just want cake and ice cream. You know what? God doesn't prune pain. Listen. He prunes with pain. He's using it. That thing that happened to you last week. That thing that happened to you 20. He's using it. To prune you so that you can have the highest quality of life that a son or daughter of God can have. And, and this is how he does it. I, I have some of this from WSU, Washington State University. Some from Amy found for me. But um, the first time Amy pruned my crabapple tree, I looked at it. Come on up, worship. I looked at it, and I'm like, she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> she was like a crazy animal. She just cut everything. 
I'm looking at it, I'm like, I want it to look like my fake Christmas tree. All perfectly round. I just wanted it to look good, right? I didn't realize until the time for fruit came, because then it looked good. And all of a sudden, instead of, you know, a thousand crab apples, it had 50,000 crab apples on it. Now the trouble is Pastor Aaron hates the, the crab apples on that tree because she got to clean it all up and she gets out there with a the ladder and just, mum, just, just mumbles the whole time. She's just angry all over the sidewalk and gets in my lawnmower and it just drives me crazy. But the thing is, if, if that tree, if our family depended on it to eat, if somebody depended on your life for fruit so that they would have food tomorrow, spiritual food, physical food, people overseas depend on this church to feed them, to feed their kids. Come on. To build them houses. We're going to give some more money to that thing that you do, by the way. Yeah. To build houses for them. People depend on you. But the pruning, when it happens, we just think God doesn't know what he's doing because he's cutting back. God cuts back the good things because he won't settle for good. He wants great. And that's all that he wants. Don't you ever settle for a good marriage when God wants great. Don't you ever settle for a good teenager when God wants them to be a great adult. Don't you ever settle in the middle. This is what, what pruning a grapevine is like in the initial planting. When God does something new in your life or you move to a new job or relationship, you come to a new church. The first year in a grapevine, you know what they do? They cut all the thingies down. Shoots. <laughs> cut them all down until you get one. And then they take all the buds off of it except for three buds on the one now, you and I, you favor growth more than fruit. You, you just want to grow, 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 grow. You know what he does? He, you got to cut everything down because that root and how deep that root and how that works, that is the strength of the trunk is paramount to future fruit. And if that doesn't grow to, I think it's 30 inches, if that doesn't grow to 30 inches by the end of the season, you know what they do? They cut it right back down again. God will drive that growth into the ground. He will drive it into your small group. He will drive it down to where it really matters, down in the dirt. Because he wants fruit. And that's the only way to get it. Making the vine struggle generally results in a better quality grape. If you give too much shelter and too much water, the grapes don't taste as good. That explains somebody's week. That's why you're struggling. That's why I'm struggling this week. Because God's doing some pruning. He wants grapes to taste good. He wants good wine. He doesn't want crappy wine. $4 bottle. You buy it because you're broke. That's not what God wants from your life. There's so much I could share about this. Apple trees, this is what in a forum need to, in, uh, to be shocked into fruit production. One person said they heard of hooking a tractor up with a chain to pull on the apple tree to freak it out. To stress the roots because it will grow more. God adds stress to your life so that you bear better fruit. You'll thank him one day. Oh, that was good. An apple tree must experience freezing temperatures to be able to produce fruit. The dormancy cycle is key to kicking off the fruit cycle. Embrace the season you're in. If, you feel, if, if it feels dormant, embrace the season you're in. Learn everything you can. Put a smile on your face. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. If you're fighting a battle right now, this is what, when, when pruning, don't be afraid to cut. When you finish, this is what I read, about 90% of last year's growth will be cut. Good growth. 90% of last year's growth, it looks like the 10% that you decided last week to give God might be the only thing that... 
What happens? Yeah, you have, I have these seasons in my life that I've been working so hard on some of these things. And God's like, that's great. Let me cut all that back. That's great because you think it's you now. Let's cut that back for the next season's fruitfulness. <laughs> this goes fruit, pruning. Come on. Fruit, pruning. Let's get back to pruning. Let's get back. Here's, here's my favorite one, my least favorite one. They say, bend canes gradually into place before tying. Canes that grow in one direction other than where you want them can often be persuaded to cooperate by cracking them gently. I had a foreman. That was his sole purpose in my life was to crack me gently. Slash on gently. And it says, use both hands. Sometimes you're like, Lord, touch me. And he's like, okay. Use both hands to bend the cane at the point where you want it to change direction and apply pressure just until you hear the fibers crack. God, I can't take this anymore. Who's got babies? God, I can't do this. My wife is like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, it's too late to send him back. Lord, touch my wife. <laughs> this is what he does. He puts two hands and he applies pressure because he needs to change direction until it cracks a little bit. When God does that, he disciplines the sons and daughters that he loves. He believes in you. That's why he's doing it. There's one more destructive miracle that I think we're not thinking of in destructive miracles. Jesus himself perfectly righteous was pruned by a cross he said for the joy set before him he endured the cross and despised its shame until God set him at his right hand and every knee bows and every tongue confesses it says having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them he destroyed them y'all he took the devil's work into your life and wrecked him having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it that day at the cross, the cross brought a resurrection. There's no fruit without pruning. Father, I pray for every person today that we would accept, Lord God, the grace of God and accept the pruning of the Lord our God in our lives, that we would uh, look with joy to those seasons of pruning rather than resent you for them, Lord God. We trust in you. We say, send your shears, Lord God. Send your people, send the, the pruners to our lives in the name of Jesus, amen.